This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Well, today we conclude our little mini-series on love. Over the past three weeks, you've, uh, if you've been with us, you've found us deep into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where we entered into the experience of believers who had sadly lost focus on God's intentions for their spiritual gifts in the church. As the original reader came to the end of chapter 12, uh, they'd be asking some deep questions, I think, about how the church is to stay together as a unity, experiencing and exercising their spiritual gifts. So Paul speaks of a more, the more excellent way, using the spiritual gifts that God has provided each of his people in the way that God intended And that is in love. And we learned that when love is the motivation that drives everything the Christian does, then the church thrives in unity. And every gift brings glory to God and service to his people. Ultimately, we learned that Jesus is the greatest example of love. We are to strive to love like him while remaining, of course, confident that he alone has made us acceptable Uh, before God by his great act of love at Calvary. Love never ends, we learn, because God, who is love, never ends. And so uh, we seek to love God and to love others, work together as we strive together for the glory of God to be like Jesus until he comes. Well, we ran out of verses in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, but the Bible certainly has more to say about love. And so uh, we conclude our little series this morning in 1 John chapter uh, 2, verses 15 and 17. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to 1 John chapter 2. We're going to begin reading at verse 15. If you need a Bible, by the way, there are some Bibles kind of located at strategic places at the front and at the back. If you don't own a paper copy of God's Word, then by all means, that is yours as a gift from us to you. Will you stand with me this morning in honor of God's Word as we read it together? John, 1 John chapter 2. Verse 15, this is the word of God. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires But whoever does, the will of God abides forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your never-changing word. We thank you that we can go to it today and find grace needed for us in this moment. And we pray, Father, that as your word is preached, that you will fill both preacher and those in this congregation today and make us more like him. For those who do not know Christ as Savior today, we pray this would be a day of divine Uh, welcome and change. We ask this all in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, companies like Apple, Google, Amazon, and Microsoft have created incredible things. Synthetic voices uh, are one of them. If you have a device on you, you likely have had it wake you up in the morning or yak at you that you're turning the wrong direction or what. They tell us uh, that some experts say at least that by 2024, there will be more voice-assisted devices on the planet than people. 
soon artificial voice technology will be so lifelike, so real, that it will likely literally be indistinguishable from the real thing. In fact, back in 2018, Google announced that they had uh, created an artificial intelligence that was so human that the voice talents who created could not distinguish their own voices from the artificial ones. And it got me to thinking, are we indistinguishable from the world? Are we now so like the world that we are no no longer able to distinguish even ourselves from the world? How are we different than anyone else? To borrow the words of Paul from Ephesians 5, verse 12, are the things once considered unfruitful works of darkness, things that unbelievers did in secret, that were shameful, are, are they now at least at best neutral in our lives? Patterns of consumption and entertainment choices are becoming increasingly carnal, are they not? Attitudes, desires, ambitions, aims, priorities are increasingly those of the world. And so uh, it has led some authors today to say that today the greatest challenge facing us as evangelicals is not persecution from the world, but it's the seduction by the world. Some of those things that draw us and draw us to itself become priority influences in our lives and will, if we are not careful, be things that we eventually will love. We are tempted to love everything but God, you see. And yet for the believer, what we love, who we love, and why we love truly matters. And so today God wants to teach us something. He wants us to learn to love like him. To learn to love like him. Well, how do we learn to love like him? John gives us really just a one-point sermon here. We can fill in some of the details, but really it's a one-pointer. And that is, don't love the world, verses 15 and 7 to 17. Don't love the world. The world here uh, has a multiple of uses and automatically like, well, didn't Judy just pray like for God so love the world that he gave his only son? So you have to kind of go, well, what's the context? And context is always king. It'll help us determine the meaning. John here speaks of the world as the worldview, viewing life in a way that is opposed to the way of God, to the glory of God. And that is the, the thoughts and values and behaviors that conspire together, whether we realize it or not, that, that hates God, that's motivated against God, it's opposed to God and his will. It is essentially living life with blinders on in a room filled with mirrors. All of life lived horizontally, for self and not vertically for the glory of God. It's a life without consideration of God. And when you see that, we kind of understand what that means. Oh yeah, you just cut God out of your life and that's what we're supposed to hate. All of the world's priorities and pleasures and perspectives are opposed to God. And John says, don't be like that. Don't emulate the world and how it loves. It doesn't love what we are to love. That love, you see, is at war with God. If you have trouble with this, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Take verses 4 to 7 and just flip it around. Those are the things, the opposite of who we should be. The believer's joy is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6, 33. So what are our goals? What are our goals? What do you and I live for? Is everything that you do so that you can obtain financial security for your family? To get more friends, to 
see your kids succeed. You'll do anything for them. You'll even miss church on Sunday if it means they get to have what they want. Is it to get that position at work or to drive a certain car or to live in a particular neighborhood? None of those things may be bad in and of themselves, but you see when we elevate them as highest priority and our lives are driven to do things that fall under the authority of those things, we just very well might be learning to love the world. Why should we not love the world? Well, Paul goes a little deeper for us. He says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, the reason you and I shouldn't love the world is that you can't love the world and God at the same time. I used to date a girl who also was dating someone else. It was weird. And I, when I figured it out, I was like, that's, that's not right. So that quickly ended, and, and I met Ren. But you're not doing that. I know you're not. Thank the Lord. But, you know, love for the world pushes out the love for God. And the love for God pushes out the love for the world. The more we love God, the more we won't love the world. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and things, Matthew 6, 24. And so that leads to the inevitable question, if believers are not to love the world and to love God only, if I truly do examine my life and in absolute, complete honesty, I conclude, yes, I love the world. The question that we we ask is, can I really be saved? Is this an indication that I am not saved? John's answer here is, it could be. It could be. But he, remember, he's writing to Christians here. First John 5, I write this thing, these things to you who believe in the name of us. So he has confidence in their salvation, but he doesn't want us to be ignorant of the fact that our love, our, our just ignorance of God's ways and our love for the things of the world could be an indication that we are not saved. You might say, well, okay, but okay, uh, I'm religious. I go to church. I give my money. I'm even a church partner, but... But you have never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have never surrendered your life to Christ. My friends, maybe the test for you from this is to say, I am not truly saved. I am all things religious. All the marks. I'm not Jewish. I'm not Muslim. So I must be a Christian, right? Eh, wrong answer. It's the person who has surrendered their life, who has trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, for themselves. Jesus for me. Take the world. Give me Jesus. Believers, we do though have a sensitivity and there are times in our lives when we get too close to the world and, and the alarms go off, right? Our conscience is bothered. This may be an indication to you that maybe your faith is weak. Maybe you've ponied up a little too close to the world and you need to evaluate where am I Am I, is my life becoming an instrument for unrighteousness? And maybe we need to read Romans 6, 13 and not be used, Paul says, as instruments of unrighteousness, but to present ourselves to God. Listen, as those who have been brought from death to life and are members as instruments of righteousness. Our friends who are baptized today will need in their journey to be reminded often, Ben, Molly, there will be times when 
When life hits you hard and there are seasons of discouragement and you, you wonder, where is God? And you wonder, was my profession of faith, was my baptism really sincere? And we need to evaluate that. But it very well could be that it is just that you've allowed yourself to grow too close to the world. But, you know, either way, the truth is the same. Jeremiah 29, 13, God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Why should we not love the world? Well, because if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But also, what is in the world is not from the Father. And so, very quickly, John here tells us there are a few things that are not that are not from the Father. The one is desires, the desires of the flesh. Now, desires can be good things and can be bad things. Jesus said, I earnestly desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. But Jesus also called out some Jewish religious leaders in John 8 and told them, you are of your father the devil, and you des- what you desire is to do your father's will. So desire here is not the problem. Passion is not the problem. We're built by God to crave all the things that he provides. The problem here is the flesh. The word flesh is John's shorthand, the Bible's shorthand, for sin that remains in us. There's this, there's this part of our sinful inclination that thinks it wants to rule, and it has been defeated by the blood of Jesus Christ in your life if you are a Christian But it tricks us. It makes its way slowly but surely up into the throne room of our hearts and sits on Jesus' throne in your life and pretends that it belongs there and it will manipulate us. It will seduce us. John Calvin said our hearts are a perpetual factory of idols. And that's why Paul said in Romans 6, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. It's a command. Don't let it obey you, obey its passions. Do not present your members as, uh, as instruments for unrighteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you. See, it's, it's a ruse. It's a fake. It's a trick. We can't let sin reign in our bodies. The next here is the desires of the, the flesh. This fuels the flesh. The desires of the eyes, rather. Fuel fuels the flesh. The best, best things in life are not what? The best things in life are things. That's what the world will tell us. It's the lust of the eyes, what arouses and awakens and stimulates the flesh. It has great, great consequences. When we think of people in the Bible, we could, we could pull out our list. David in 2 Samuel 11, he had everything he could ever want. And his fall was not in what he couldn't have, but who he couldn't have. And he, you know, the throne was established. He was about to build the temple. His enemies were all under control. Everything seemed great. And yet, the lust of his eyes led him to steal another man's wife, murder her husband, and then try to cover it up. And it had tremendous consequences for him. But it all began because David saw from the roof a beautiful woman, and he wanted her. You see how the desires of the eyes will fuel the desires of the flesh. But then John says there's the pride of life, the pride of life. This is self-glorification. This is self-gratification. You know, I think of Diotrephus in 3 John 9, and and I remember him only particularly because it reminded uh, me of me 
at times. There, John says that he likes to put himself first. Do you like to put yourself first? I do. I'm constantly battling first place in my life. I, I want to be first among my peers. I want to be first uh, among you. I want to be first in my neighborhood. You can fill in the blanks. I'm like Diotrephus. That is not good. Think of the grace of our Lord Jesus by comparison. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Jesus said the greatest among you will be your servant, and whoever would be great among you must be your slave. My fellow Christians, the greatest thing about you is Jesus. God wants you, he wants me to boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why should we not love the world? The love the world shows, the love of the world shows that a person doesn't love God, that what is in the world is not from the Father. But also in verse 17, we see that the things the world loves are passing away. Notice that the world isn't one day passing away. That is also true, but it is passing away now. It is disintegrating. The one with the most toys does not win. Take that off your car if you have that on your car, right? It's not good. Moth and rust still destroy. Thieves still break in and steal. Does not profit to gain the whole world and to lose one's own soul. Only one kind of person will remain. And John says it's this person. Whoever does the will of God lives forever. It's the person whose heart has been changed by the power of the gospel and they want to love and to live like Jesus in the world. And when they fail, they repent and they get back up again. They remove those idols from the heart and they keep going on. And we help each other, do we not? Jesus saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, that those of us, Titus says, who have believed may be careful to devote themselves to good works. Who do you love? Speaking of artificial intelligence, last year the tech developer billionaire Elon Musk warned about the inherent danger of artificial intelligence. He said, you know, it's capable of vastly more than almost anyone knows and even more dangerous than nuclear weapons. Jesus warned about the danger of a different kind of artificiality, much more dangerous than artificial intelligence. Who do you love? Who do you love? For those of us who know him as Savior, we love Jesus because he first loved us and we long to see him face to face. Is that what we're doing? Is that what we're engaged in? What a privilege. What a privilege it is, again, to be among believers, to proclaim the love of Jesus until he comes. If Jesus Christ died for you, then as we move into communion, this is a very particularly special time for you.